0: Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. As we get ready to look at this, um, these words that Jesus spoke to this church in Smyrna, I I, I think of, I, I, maybe this has happened to you, uh, have you ever have you ever cared for someone and you want to give them some advice about something that's going on in their life? And you're not trying to be bossy. You're not trying to control them or make them do something they don't want to do. You genuinely care about them and, and you just want to help them by giving them some advice. And then you go to that person, and you sit down, and you have that conversation, and that person responds by politely basically saying, thanks, but no thanks. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, if you're married, it's probably happened to you, okay? Right? You know, if you have kids, that's probably happened, where, where you, you're not trying to boss, you're not trying to tell them how to live their life, you're just, you really care about them. And you want to share some things with them in hopes that maybe they might see something that they're not seeing. When I look at this passage this morning, and I look at the words that Jesus is saying to this church, I think there's a real danger that we could look at it like that. That Jesus would give these words, and we would look at him and say, Thanks, but no thanks. Not because we don't believe him, or... Or because uh, I I think the big the biggest thing is is we're we're gonna have a really hard time relating to what was going on to these people it's not our experience not yet and and so as a result of that we might look at this and say oh that's just not really scratching where I'm itching that's really not that important in my life and so I, I want us to keep that in mind as, as we look at this this morning. Because sometimes what the Lord tells us is not for today. It's, it's for our future. And the hope is that we would be able to remember this when we need it. And that we would recall what the Lord Jesus said specifically to this church at Smyrna. So in Revelation chapter 2, it starts off in verse 8, the angel of the Lord, to the angel of the Lord, I'm sorry, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write. So again, I want to remind us that. The angel is not a spiritual being, it is a person, it's a messenger. John wrote this letter and sent this letter to seven churches across Asia Minor. These seven churches each had a messenger that delivered this letter. And within the letter, each of these churches, there's a notification, so to speak, to each church. And this angel, this messenger, was to read this notification to the church at Smyrna. Smyrna was a seaport city in Asia Minor. It was a large city. It was a wealthy city. Uh, today, it is known as Izmir in Turkey. Uh, even in ancient times, uh, it is believed that 100,000 people lived in Smyrna. And as Smyrna, uh, because it was wealthy, it was also a, a hub uh, for the political... Uh, it carried a, a political weight to it. Uh, there was something in the Roman Empire that, um, that happened every year within the Roman Empire. And, and what happens is, is that every Roman citizen at this time of the year was expected to pay their homage and worship the emperor. And What happened is is it was like a church service. It was a it was a religious event They would gather together they would burn some incense and they had an offering that they would bring and then they would publicly declare that Caesar is Lord and that public declaration what they were saying is Caesar is my God and and every year Roman citizens were expected to do this now to you and I that's pretty foreign because we don't do stuff like that but what it indicated is who was loyal to the Roman Empire. And in some of the cities that were conquered by the Roman Empire, this whole ritual that's called cult emperor worship, you know, it wasn't taken that seriously. It was kind of like, oh, wink, wink, whoever shows up doesn't show up. We're not really crazy about Rome, but we're a part of Rome, so we're going to do what they ask us to do, but it's not that big a deal. Some cities, that's how they they approached this whole cult emperor worship but not in Smyrna in Smyrna it was taken seriously and and it was actually if someone didn't participate if if they if they didn't worship Caesar and acknowledge that he was their God people took notice of who those people were we're not used to that Okay, we we don't we 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 have a hard time relating to that because no one notices our religious preferences or notices to the point that they write it down to keep a list of who worships who, but that's what was going on in Smyrna, so it was kind of a tense environment for believers because you see believers. If they were really followers of Jesus Christ, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't go to a religious service, burn incense and bring an offering and kneel down and declare, Caesar is my God. They, those who followed Jesus, they, they, had a real, they had a real problem with that. And because of that, they became an easy target in Smyrna. And people knew who the believers were. Because they they wouldn't bow down to Caesar. It's interesting, the word, the name, Smyrna, it means bitter. And it was a bitter time for the church in Smyrna. Because they had become easy targets. Jesus continues to say to this group of people, These are the words of him who is the first and the last... Who died and came to life again. So again, if you again we have a hard time connecting with this, okay? Because no one's taking note if we're here this morning. None of us are going to lose our job for being here today. No one's going to turn us away at the restaurants that we go to because we were at church before we went to the restaurant. But for these people in Smyrna, they were they were experiencing some severe persecution. And so Jesus, in, his, in, his, in these words, then, he starts off by saying, this, this is the first and the last. This is the one who died and came to life again. Jesus was saying, this is who's talking to you. The one who has all authority, all power, not even death can conquer me. Now, if you and I were in a environment where we were being persecuted for our faith if you and I lived in a city or a state or a country where it was literally it cost us something to be here and we gathered together and we opened up God's word and it said the one who's speaking to you this morning is the first and the last the one who is dead It rose again. That would mean something to us. Much more than what it means to us right now. So I want you to understand, if we can, together this morning, what was going on in Smyrna. And how important it was for them to hear from Jesus. Because they were suffering for Jesus. Which is not our experience he goes on to say to them i know your afflictions and your poverty yet you are rich i i I can't imagine how encouraging that must have been to them to hear the lord jesus say i know your afflictions i know your poverty i know what you're going through i see you I see what's happening and how this must have given them some hope because literally due to the political climate of their city they were being targeted this word when it says I know your afflictions that word afflictions means pressures they were experiencing real pressure for worshiping Jesus Scholars tell us that what was happening in Smyrna basically is, See, and again, this is so foreign to us, but I, I know a refugee who lives in our city that the only reason he's here is because he didn't vote for the right person in his native country, and they took his name down and came after him and his family. See, we're not used to that. We're not used to that. And in Smyrna, what was happening is when they didn't bow down and worship the emperor, they wrote their names down. And the name was distributed throughout the city. This person, this person is not loyal to Rome. This person is not loyal to the emperor. And so, what was taking place is that those people became liabilities to everyone around them. You didn't employ someone who wasn't loyal to Rome. You didn't lend money to people who weren't loyal to Rome. You didn't even sell food to them. This was the afflictions they were enduring. And that is foreign to you and I. We have never endured anything like that in our lives. Most of us sitting in this room are watching online. But that's what they were enduring. That's the afflictions. Their assets were frozen. They were not allowed to earn money. They were not allowed to purchase things. And Jesus said, I know it. I see what's happening to you. I see your affliction. I see your poverty. And he said, yet, you are rich. We'll come back to that and talk about that in a moment. But he saw what they were going through. Their peers receive, you know, the, the people in the city when they looked at the Christians at Smyrna, they looked at them and said, Oh, those poor people, they have nothing. They can't do anything. And I'm sure that's how they felt when they gathered together in their gatherings to worship Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, Oh, no, oh, no, you're rich. Your peers may perceive you as poor and with nothing you may even feel yourself that you are poor and you have nothing but really you are rich he goes on to say to them I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan so not only were the Christians in Smyrna being persecuted because of political environment, they were also being slandered by the Jews. Now I have to give you a little bit of a a history lesson here. A hundred years earlier, there was a civil war in the Roman Empire. And when that civil war took place, Jerusalem, the Jews, sided with Rome. And when that happened, Rome gave the Jews a pass on emperor worship. Jewish people did not have to bow down and say, Caesar is my God. Because they sided with the Roman government during that civil war, the Roman government came back to Jews and said, you get a pass. You don't have to be a part in the cult worship. These Jews in Smyrna, who didn't have to, to bow down and worship Caesar. We're also slandering the Christians. That's why Jesus says to them, I hear about those who are slandering about you, those who are in the synagogue of Satan. They were god-fearers. The Jewish people were god-fearers. They believed in Jehovah God. They were god-fearers. But here Jesus is saying, oh no, I know who they really are. That's a synagogue of Satan. They're slandering my people. That word slander, there, there were various things that Christians in the first century were, were typically slandered for. But what was happening here is they, it was their political disloyalty. We, we might look at it in today's world and say, Oh, those Christians, that's just a, that's a, militia, that, that, that's a militia group. That's a, that's, a, that's a terrorist group. That's a hate group. That's, that's the things the Jews were saying about the Christians. Jesus is letting them know that He sees all of that. And He knows what's being said about them. And you and I, those of us watching online, we have never encountered this. We've never encountered this type of trouble because we say we believed in Jesus. But the people at Smyrna were. And so what does Jesus want to say to these people? After after he has pointed out to them, I see your trouble, I see your hardship, I see what you're going through. What is Jesus going to say to them? And notice what he says next. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, do not be afraid because I'm going to remove your suffering. That's not what it says. He says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Here's what's interesting about the Roman Empire prison system. It was nothing like our prison system. Our prison system here in the United States incarcerates people and it's, it's intended to be redemptive. That they pay the time for their crime and they get... Uh, Uh, not redeemed, but they get um, rehabilitated while they're in prison so that they can be released and become productive citizens in society. That's not the way the Roman prison system worked at all. The Roman prison system was really only used for two things. One was coercion. If people were not doing what the government felt like they should do, then you were thrown in prison. Not because you murdered someone, not because you stole, not because you were a thief, not because... No, you weren't doing what the authorities wanted you to do. So they're going to put you in prison and coerce you to do what they want. And if you would do what they want, then they would let you back out. That was... One way the Roman prison system was worked. The second was that the Roman prison system was used to hold people who were going to be executed. So if someone did something that uh, that determined that they were going to be executed by the state, immediately they were put in a Roman prison and held there until their execution. There was no trial. There was no let's let them defend themselves. No, that's just where they were held until they were to be killed. And so what Jesus is saying here to the church at Smyrna is he's saying, listen, do not be afraid because some of you are going to suffer and you are going to go to prison. Which meant they were either going to try to be coerced or executed. For no other reason except that they would not bow down and say, Caesar is God. See, we we don't know anything about that. We we don't know how to relate to that. He goes on to say to them, Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So what do we do when we're suffering for Jesus? Now, let me clarify suffering for just a moment. There's three kinds of suffering in the world. There's the suffering that comes from poor choices and bad decisions, where we make a decision and that was just a boneheaded, stupid, sinful, wrong decision, and it brought suffering into our life. That's one type of suffering. A second type of suffering comes because we just live in a world that is full of broken systems, And those broken systems create suffering for people. The people didn't do anything wrong. They didn't break any laws. They didn't hurt anybody else. It's just that we're in a world that has broken systems. And those broken systems create suffering for the people that live within those systems. But there's a third kind of suffering. The third kind of suffering comes for those who do what is right. They didn't do anything wrong they're not caught up in a broken system they are following the Lord Jesus Christ and as a result of following him they are suffering for doing the right thing this is the people in Smyrna this is the type of suffering I'm talking about specifically this morning what are we to do when the only reason we're experiencing stress and trouble Is because we did the right thing. We did exactly what we were supposed to do. And now it's costing us. That's that's what I want us to think about this morning for the next few moments together. What to do when suffering for Jesus. Jesus tells us in this passage, we can learn from what he told the people at Smyrna. The first thing that you and I are to do is do not be afraid. That's what Jesus said to these people. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you for 10 days. So here's this type of suffering that I'm talking about. The suffering for doing what is right. What what distinguishes it from the other two types of suffering is is that it has a starting point and it has an ending point. That's what, Jesus, you're going to suffer for 10 days. It's going to start, it's going to end. I believe that the 10 days that are mentioned here were literally 10 24-hour periods. It was 10 days. That John, in this letter, that Jesus was, was using John to speak to the people in this letter and say to them, for 10 days there is going to be intense persecution in Smyrna. And some of you are going to be tested. And so there's, there's two reasons for us not to be afraid. The first is, it is a test of our faith. It's a test of our faith, so we shouldn't be afraid. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says it this way, So be truly glad, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than mere gold so when your faith remains strong through many trials it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when jesus christ is revealed to the whole world so peter is saying here that our faith is like gold now i i don't know much about gold But I've been told and I've read and I've watched some videos about how they purify, how they refine gold. And so here's what they do. They extract gold from the earth. And it has all these impurities in it. It's got other stuff mixed in it. It's all mixed up together. And they they take this and they put it in a furnace. And they heat it up until everything melts. And when it starts melting, the gold it sinks to the bottom, and all the impurities rise to the top. And they scrape off those impurities, and then they let the gold cool off and harden again. And once it's good and hard again, you know what they do? They put it back in the furnace, and they do the same thing again. They heat it up until it melts, and all the impurities rise to the top, and they scrape them off, and then they let that gold harden again. And then they throw it back in the furnace. And they melt it. And they let the impurities rise up. And they do this over and over again until that gold is pure. Peter says that's what needs to happen to our faith. Our faith gets mixed up with a lot of different things in the world. And it gets impure. It's not not pure anymore. And the way that it gets purified is we go through a testing of our faith where we endure pressure and affliction for no other reason except that we are trying to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And that refines our faith. That purifies our faith. But here's the thing, and this is what we don't talk about very much. Not everybody passed the test. Some people failed the test. Let me tell you what's happened here in the United States, okay? It's it's a year. Do you realize that? It's been a year. A year ago this time, the governor was saying, we need to stay at home. You don't need to go to work. You don't need to get out in public. We're going to close down all non-essential things. We're going to leave only the essential stuff open. We're going to send kids home from school. A year ago. It was a year, almost exactly from right now. We've gone through that year. And let me tell you what's happened to the American church because the church was, at least in the state of Ohio, the church was never forced not to meet. They were encouraged not to meet, but they were never forced not to meet. But you know what's happened? One out of every four people who went to church pre-pandemic no longer go not only do they not come to church, they don't participate in online services either. So in one year's time, the church has lost 25% of the people who used to participate at it. Not everybody passed the test. You see, when our faith gets tested, it lets us know we have faith. It also lets us know when we don't. And that's what Jesus is saying to the church at Smyrna. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to endure some things. But don't be afraid of it. It's a test. In fact, you're going to, it's going to be refined. It's, it's going to become stronger. And you're going to know where you stand with the Lord Jesus. And those who fail the test know where they stand too. That's what he was talking about. He says, when you're suffering for Jesus, don't be afraid. One, don't be afraid because it's a test. It has a starting point, it has an end point, and it is for your good, and you will know when it's over with where you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a second reason to not be afraid. It matures our faith. Romans 5 says it this way, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know, excuse me, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Problems and trials, pressures, suffering as a result of following Jesus. It develops our endurance, it develops our character, and it develops our hope. And you know what? These are the only three things we take to eternity with us. We don't take anything else with us to eternity. When we get to eternity, we're evaluated on three things. How well did you endure? What does your character look like? And how was your hope in the salvation that was promised to you? That's all that we're asked about when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all we take with us. And it is the testing of our faith that develops those things. That's why we should not be afraid. We should not be afraid. I've had the privilege of traveling around the world. I've, I've been in different countries and I've had the opportunity to be with different believers in different places. Some of those believers, they do know what it means to be persecuted. They do know what it means to really suffer for Jesus. And I've noticed something different about them and myself and here's what i've noticed when they're suffering for jesus and when i'm suffering for jesus our prayers are different when i feel like i'm suffering i'm asking god to remove my suffering god please take this suffering away but what i've noticed from them is that when they're suffering they're saying god please make my back stronger Let me endure this more. Let me be able to stand this test. They don't ever call for it to end. They call for God, help me stand firm. I got to tell you, I I can't say that I've prayed that way when I felt like I'm truly suffering for Jesus. My prayers are more whiny than that. God, please let this end. God, please, strike them dead. <laughs> and they they say, oh no, Lord, help us endure. Help us stand the test. They're not afraid of the test. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, the reason we're so afraid of them is because we've never had to endure them. That's both a blessing and a curse. The blessing is that we get to, we get to experience a lot of the goodness and a lot, of the, a lot of the grace and the mercy of God at no expense on our own part. The curse is is that when we are tested, we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to respond. We don't know how not to be afraid. The second thing that you and I can do when we're suffering for Jesus is that we must remain faithful. Jesus said to these persecuted people, he said first, don't be afraid. And then the next thing he said was, be faithful even to the point of death. We really can't relate to that. Because let me just tell you, in case you don't know already, none of us sitting here, probably none of us watching online, have ever been asked to die for Jesus. We've only been asked to live for Him. And we struggle with that. But He turned to this persecuted people and said, Be faithful, even to the point of death. Which for them specifically meant, stand fast no matter what the government does. No matter what they do to you, stand fast to me. Remain faithful to Christ. No matter what they do, stand fast. Stand faithful. There's three reasons. Three incentives to remain faithful to the Lord when we're suffering for Him. The first is that the faithful gain real wealth. Do you remember what Jesus said to these people? He said, I know your afflictions, I know your poverty, yet you are rich. Yet you are rich. Um, Someone put this together, it may be a little dated, but I think you'll get the point. Uh, A bar of steel, just a plain bar of steel is worth $5. However, if you take that bar of steel and you shape it into horseshoes, now it's worth $25. If you take that same bar of steel and you pound it and break it up and turn it into needles, it's worth $350. If you take that same bar of steel and you pound it, you break it up, you polish it and turn it into knife blades, it's worth $32,000. If you take that same bar of steel and you you break it down, you refine it, it you polish it you manipulate it you work on it and you turn it into springs that go inside wristwatches. it's worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars those who suffer the most for jesus their faith becomes more and more valuable those who are tossed in the fire, those who are pounded for Jesus' name, those those who, who must endure the hardships of following Him, their faith becomes more valuable. That's why they're rich. These people that I've had the opportunity of, to, to meet around the world who have truly been persecuted because they love the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you, I, I, I'm... I'm tempted to envy them because their faith is so simple yet so rich. They have something I don't have. And you know what it is? Their faith is just more valuable than mine is. And traveling around the world and, and 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 seeing some of the things that I've seen and endured some of the things that, that I mean I really endured that much, but but seeing some of the things that, that I've seen. I mean I, I've been a pastor for 30 years. I love the American church. I do, but I, I gotta tell you, we're pretty soft. We're pretty soft. It doesn't take much for many of us to to seriously consider throwing in the towel. You know, here at Grace Bible Church, you have the opportunity to rub shoulders with refugees through the International Welcome Center. Listen, if if you don't want to ever leave the country, I get it, there's risk in leaving the country. Don't worry about that. You know why? Because the countries are coming here. And I encourage you to rub shoulders with someone who has truly been persecuted. And you'll see, you'll see what Jesus was talking about when he was talking to the church at Smyrna. It is not our experience. So we have a very hard time relating to it. But some of these refugees that have come into our presence through the International Welcome Center, they are here literally because if they stayed where they were, they were going to die. And some of them were religious-related issues. Not all of them, but some of them. Don't waste the opportunity to serve them. They know something we don't know. They possess something we don't have. I get it. They don't have a lot of clout in our society. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of stuff. (laughs) Heck, a lot of them don't even speak a lot of English. But they have something we don't have. And it's valuable. This was the church in Smyrna. They gain real wealth. When people remain faithful, they gain real wealth. The second thing is that they received the victor's crown. So in Smyrna, what what happened in Smyrna is Smyrna had Olympic games that rivaled the games that happened at Mount Olympus in Greece from which we get our Olympic games today. And so when they held their Olympic Games, the people who won the race, who won the fight, who won the challenge, they received the victor's crown. And I get it, in our world, athletes who win the rings and the banners and, and, and their jerseys are retired, we look at those people and we say, man, those are elite individuals, those are elite persons in our world. But when it comes to remaining faithful to Jesus, it's not the elite who get the victor's crown. It's just the faithful. The faithful get the victor's crown, not the elite. Just the ones who stand steady, who stand strong, who say, you know what, even in the face of suffering for Jesus, I will stand for Jesus. Those people win the victor's crown. The last thing that I'd like to point out, the third incentive for remaining faithful, is that they escape the second death. Those who are faithful escape the second death. So here's the, here's the thing. Everyone encounters the first death. All right? The first death, is, it comes when we die, when we leave this, this body, okay? Our bodies, they get old, they get weak, they get sick, they can't handle trauma very well, they get broken, and, and people die, that's the first death and if the Lord tarries every one of us in this room and everyone watching online we will all experience the first death but those who are faithful will not experience the second death the second death takes place at the great white throne judgment it takes place when all of time is coming to an end And there, those who were not faithful, those who did not pass the test, those who did not place their faith in Christ, they all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And there, they are forever separated from Him. They are banished to a place where there is nothing good. There is no light. There is no hope. There is no comfort. There is no joy. There is no smiles. No laughter. They are totally conscious, remembering everything, yet can't experience anything good. Nothing. That is the second death. The Bible calls it hell. Many times we use it as the butt of our jokes. But it is the second death. And those who don't pass the test, those who don't remain faithful, they could end up there at the second death. And Jesus, to this persecuted, suffering people, said, remain faithful. You'll miss all that. miss all that I know that we don't suffer for being Christians I am no prophet I do not know what the future holds but it's not beyond the realm of possibility that we will be asked to that we will truly suffer for the Lord Jesus Not because our rights are being taken away, not because of some little political nitty-pitty little thing that makes us feel comfortable that we think we're going to lose that. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the persecution that comes when society looks at you and says, you're a danger because you follow Jesus. That day could potentially be coming. And if it does, and when it does, it is my prayer that I remember these words to Smyrna and that you remember these words to Smyrna to not be afraid and to be faithful even unto death if that's what it means this is only possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ if you don't have a relationship with Jesus I I pray that you would do that. I pray you would call out upon his name. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, gee, I don't know if I'm passing my tests. Gee, I don't know if I'm really remaining faithful in my persecution, my suffering's really not that bad. If that's you this morning, then you have time and you are in a place you can straighten it out. And nobody will challenge you no one will write your name down no one will take note it is between you and the lord jesus christ you know you know where you stand with him and if it's not where you should be straighten it out straighten it out because he loves you and he's placed you in a place where all you have to do is come to him and humble yourself and submit yourself and he will receive you as you are right now. Right now. will you come to him if you haven't? Let me leave you with a prayer this morning. I hope you can use it this week when you talk to the Father. It says, Lord, I don't like thinking about suffering for you. But I ask that you begin to prepare me now for the trials I must endure because I follow you. I know you will not let me go through any trouble without your presence. Help me to remember that the testing of my faith is proof that I have faith. Let my endurance, character, and hope mature for your name's recognition. And when those trials come, open my eyes to see the eternal rewards I will receive for remaining faithful to you. I know there are many suffering for your name's sake right now. Help them, Lord. Let them hear your words of hope, promise, and reward. Remove their fear and let them remain faithful to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. I hope that can be your prayer this week. God bless you. Thank you for being at Grace Bible Church. Thank you for joining us online. We'll see you next Sunday.